Section 43 of The Living Animals of the World, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Living Animals of the World, Volume 1, Mammals, by Charles Lewis Cornish, Editor. Section 43, Domesticated Sheep, English Breeds of Sheep. Under domestication, sheep exhibit a wide variety of coat, shape and size, very striking to the eye, and very important in regard to the produce of wool or mutton. The introduction of a particular breed with long wool or short wool, as the case may be, has often saved or altered for a time the economic condition of a colony or province. It was the introduction of the sheep which gave Australia first rank among the rich colonies of the world, and the discovery that the Cheviot breed would thrive on the Scotch hills made millions of acres remunerative, which might otherwise have been very unproductive. But the only important change in the structure of the sheep in domestication is the lengthening of the tail. The carcass may be fat mutton or thin mutton, the wool long or short, fine or coarse, but the sheep itself remains true to type and of much the same docile habits under all the changes of the breeders. We may first say a word or two as to foreign breeds of sheep, especially those of the East. Some of these resemble the wild breeds in having smooth coats and almost no wool. The Somali sheep, for instance, yield no wool useful for felting or spinning. They have drooping ears and black heads. Some of the finest natural wool is developed by a white sheep in Tibet. The fur is usually sold as Tibetan lamb. The wool is exactly like white floss silk. When cured by the Chinese, the leather is like white kid with this flossy wool attached. In India and Persia, the sheep is sometimes used as a beast of burden. Mr. Lockwood Kipling in his Beast and Man in India says, Borax, Asafoetaster, and other commodities are brought into India on the backs of sheep in bags. The flocks are driven in large numbers from Tibet into British territory. One of the sensations of journeying in the hills of the interior, as the farther recesses of the mountains are called by Anglo-Indians, is to come suddenly on such drove as it winds, with a multitudinous click of little feet, around the shoulder of some Himalayan spur. The coarse hair bags scrape the cliffside on which the narrow bath is built out or hollowed, and allow but scant room for your pony. Startled by the hurry and the quick breathing rush of the creatures as they crowd and scuffle past, only the picturesque shepherds return from these journeys. The carriers of the caravan i.e. the sheep, feeding as they go, gather flesh in spite of their burdens, and provide most excellent mutton. In the towns of the plains, rams are kept as fighting animals. A Mohammedan swell going out for a stroll with his fighting ram makes a picture of foppery not easily surpassed by the supporting fancy of the West. The ram is neatly clipped with a judicious reservation of the salient tufts, tipped with saffron and mauve dye, and besides a large collar of blue beads, it wears a necklace of hawk bells. The fat-tailed sheep of Persia and Tartary exhibits a curious provision of nature. When food is plentiful, 
a quantity of fat accumulates on the tail and croak. As the pasture dries up and the animal finds little food, this store of fat is gradually absorbed. Another fat-tailed sheep is found from Syria and Egypt to the Cape. This has a long tail reaching to the ground. In the Egyptian breed, the tail is broad throughout. In the Syrian, it narrows to a point. The ordinary weight of the Syrian sheep's tail is 15 pounds, but in some well-fattened examples it reaches 70 or 80 pounds. Ladolf saw in Egypt a sheep's tail of 80 pounds weight. This overgrown tail is a great encumbrance to the animal. In order to lighten the burden, the shepherds fasten it under a small board, sometimes with wheels attached, to make it easy to draw over the ground. In Greece, Wallachia and Western Asia, a fine breed of sheep quite different from the English forms is seen. It is called the Wallachian sheep. When the zoological gardens were first founded here, some of these sheep were introduced and crossed with English breeds. The horns are tall spirals, as in the great Kurdu antelope. The body is large and the fleece long and straight, and more like that of the long-haired goats than curly wool. There are now few countries in the world to which sheep have not been introduced. They were probably among the earliest animals to be domesticated. Certainly they are the first to be mentioned, for we learn that Abel was a keeper of sheep, while Cain tilled the earth. The feud between the keeper of flocks and the grower of crops typified in this ancient quarrel still goes on wherever the wild mountain breeds of sheep are kept, for there is a necessity always danger that the wandering sheep may raid the plots of corn. In Spain, a curious and ancient set of laws regulates the passage of the flocks to and from the mountain pastures through the cornlands. It is said that the name of the famous breed of Spanish sheep, known as Merinos, recalls their foreign origin from across the sea, and that they were originally imported into Spain from England. Whether that be so or not, it is certain that no one could recognise them now. The finest merino sheep, especially those bred in Australia, into which country they were imported some forty years ago, look as if covered with a dense growth of moss. The close wool grows not only on their backs, sides and bellies, but on legs, forehead and nose. There are believed to be ten millions of merino sheep in Spain, most of which are migratory. They are called transhumanites and are taken from the plains to the mountains and from the mountains to the plains yearly. These transhumanites are divided into flocks, each under a head shepherd or majoral. The flocks follow the shepherds who lead the way and direct the length and speed of the journey. A few wethers trained to the business follow the shepherds and the rest come in due order. Powerful dogs accompany them as guards. This system of sheep migration is controlled by a tribunal termed the Mester. It can be traced back to the middle of the 14th century. By it, persons are prohibited from travelling along the course of the route pursued by the flocks so long as they are on the road. It also maintains the right for the flocks to graze on all the open or common land that lies in the way. Moreover, it claims a path ninety yards wide through all enclosed and cultivated country. The length of the journey is over 400 miles, which is accomplished in six or seven weeks. The system works greatly to the injury of local cultivators and stationary flocks, whose fields are injured by the migratory sheep.
English breeds of sheep. In England are reared the finest and most valuable sheep. This is evident from the prices paid for them by foreigners and breeders in our colonies. Except for merinos, no one comes to any other country but this when about to seek new blood for their flocks or to stock new lands. Recently, 1,000 guineas were paid by a farm in Argentina for a single Lincoln ram. Differences well marked and of great importance exist between our different breeds. Each suits its own district, and each is carefully improved and kept pure by herd books in which all pedigree animals are entered. The general utility sheep in England is the South Down. In Scotland, the border Leicester. The former is a small fine sheep with close wool and yielding excellent mutton. It provides the meat sold in our best shops as largely stocked New Zealand. The original breed of England was probably the Cotswold. It is a tall, long-wooled, white-fleeced sheep. Later, a large heavy sheep with long wool and a massive body was bred in the Midlands and called the Leicester Long Wool. This sheep gives a great cut of wool and much coarse mutton. The Cheviot sheep, originally bred on the hills of that name, is now one of the mainstays of the Scotch mountain farmer. The Cheviots eat the grass on the high hillsides, while the black-faced highland sheep live on the heather higher up. The Suffolk, Oxford, Hampshire and other down sheep are larger breeds than the South Down. The Romy Marsh sheep are a heavy, long-wooled breed. The Exmoors are small heather sheep like those of Wales, and the Sower and St Kilda sheep, which are often four-horned, the smallest of all. The maintenance of flocks is now almost an essential part of English agriculture on all chalk lands, which comprise a very large percentage of the southern counties. On the chalk downs, the flocks are the great fertilisers of the soil. Every night, the sheep are folded on the fields, which are destined to produce corn in the following year. The manure so left on the soil ensures a good crop, with no expense for carting the fertiliser from the farmyard, as is the case of manure made by oxen kept in straw yards. On the South Downs, Oxfordshire Downs or Chiltern Hills, Salisbury Plain and the Berkshire Downs, the farms have been mainly carried on by the aid of the flocks. Where these are no longer kept, the land reverts to grass and the growing of corn ceases. On the coarse, new-sown grasses, cattle take the place of sheep, and an inferior style of farming, like the ranches of South America, replaces the careful and highly skilled agriculture of Old England. In the far north of Scotland, cross-bred sheep are now reared and fed in winter on turnips, which will grow luxuriantly where the climate is too bleak and wet for wheat. Formerly, cattle were the main source of wealth to the owners of Highland estates. The sheep was only introduced after the highlands were subdued, subsequently to the rebellion in 1745. It was found that the rough-coated heather sheep throve on the wet and elevated hills. This led to their substitution for cattle, as wool was then deer. Sheep are now in their turn giving way to grouse and deer over much of the central highlands, as the price of wool has fallen. End of section 43